Hey Curious Conneries, Dylan here. We just want to give you a heads up that the following program contains conversation relating to topics that may or may not include physical and sexual assault and self-harm and mistreatment of different cultures. We are in no way condoning these things. But given that Sean Connery has acted in films going back many years, they've tended to come up. To spin a phrase from Disney, many of these films include negative depictions and or mistreatment of people or cultures that were certainly wrong then and are definitely wrong now. But rather than not discuss this content, we'd like to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and create conversation for a richer future. Stay curious, folks. And now, on to our show. Mario Lima. Dylan Titus. There we go. Third time's the charm. Third time is the charm. This is an exciting day. Dylan is uh, his first recording in his new studio area. Indeed. Everything looks very nice. Well, thank you. And hoping you're uh, feeling better. You're feeling a little better today? A little bit better. I, I uh, have come down with the COVID. The COVID. Unfortunately. Uh, it's like... like so. Like a, coming a back with a vengeance. Our, our days, yeah. Yeah, this doesn't want to go of away. our days these days. Well, it's definitely a lot less intense than it used to be, so it's kind of like, for the most part, you know, I know some people kind of are getting hit Knock hard a, with it, but... Knocking on wood now. Just to just to be sure. Exactly. But I'm, I'm okay today. Uh, we're going to do, be doing some, uh, some Connery Curious recordings, and, you know, that's usually always a good day. Always a good day. Though I will say today's subject is not going to be as happy and go lucky and fun as last week's. Yeah, man. We went from like fun. Maybe the most fun we've ever had in a film. Probably. uh, Yeah, I guess. I mean, Indy was very fun, of course. And Orient Express. Yeah, that's true. Orient Express was, uh, I I was in such a train mood Mm. that I was in the mood to watch Orient Express and I was searching. I was going to watch the old one, but the new one was available, uh, I believe, on Hulu or HBO. I forget where. But it was, like, free to stream. So I was like, let me watch the newer one to kind of compare with the old one. And uh, there's uh, so many references that I missed watching the new one again because it's like... There's there's a lot of Easter eggs from the old movie that are in there, so it's like kind of kind of fun. Uh, Such as uh, the mustache cover. Like uh, Poirot has a really interesting mustache cover when he sleep when they wake him up. You don't see, you don't really see him put it on, but you, someone wakes him up and he has the little fancy mask on. It's a little different. It has like a little mustache design on the front. It's really fun. And um, I wonder if these are just um, uh, details from the book. Yeah, I wonder, but uh, and it's uh, fun to see you know who you know like try to pick out which which characters Connery and so on and so forth. If there was any like uh, inspiration with that between the novel and the film, uh, and yeah, it's a really beautiful looking movie that uh, Warrant Express. Really, really beautiful. You, you haven't seen it, right? The new the one, remake? the remake. No. But I guarantee it can't be better shot than Jeffrey Unsworth. Oh yeah, the original is obviously the best, but for what what it is, this movie is very very beautiful, and I think it's uh, 
interesting to see. There's a lot of like extra stuff in it that you don't see in the original. Like, like I, I, I want to see what the novel is like because there's a lot more of a introduction to Poirot and before he gets on the train, uh, which is very interesting. But yeah, it was like I was in a train mood this this week, so I was like, let me let me pop on a train movie, and we mm. did the Orient Express for a little bit. And then we had to dive into this movie, which uh, I guess let's just get into it. What are we covering this week, Dylan? Well, this week, well, did we even say what this podcast is, Mario? Oh, if you don't know, guys, this is uh, Connery Curious, the podcast where myself and Dylan Titus here go through every single film in the extensive filmography of the late, great Sir Sean Connery. And this week we have spun the wheel to, well, last week we spun the wheel to hit this film, which is 1973's The Offense with a C. With a C. The Offense is a 1973 British crime neo-noir drama film directed by Sidney Lumet, based upon the 1968 stage play This Story of Yours by Johns Hopkins. It stars Sean Connery as police detective Johnson, who kills suspected child molester Kenneth Baxter, played by Ian Bannon, while interrogating him. The film explores Johnson's varied, often aggressive, attempts at rationalizing what he did, revealing his true motives for killing the suspect in a series of flashbacks. That'll be my trailer voice of just me reading the Wikipedia summary. Uh, I, I think we're going to try to... Uh, I, I, I don't think that we can like really make all the fun stuff of like, let's do a fun trailer voice. And I, I, I edit it and it's like, do, 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 yeah. You know? Yeah. And, uh, this episode is not going to... This might Mario, be this, this might this might be a heavy trigger warning episode, which we always yeah. warn at the beginning of our episodes, but that might not even cover it. Uh, it's very uh, dark because I was like excited because I usually just every week when we spin, if it's a movie I haven't seen, I'll quickly glance over, and I saw that it was a it's a crime drama thriller. Uh, he's a British detective. That's all I want to know. I was like, okay, that sounds like fun. Like, you know, he's going to be a cop. We haven't seen him as a cop since, I guess, Outland. Yeah. Can you, can you consider him a cop? A space cop. I call him a space cop. And um, Red Letter Media's so, space cop. Space cop. Have you ever seen that movie? I don't think I have. No. It's a, it's a very very decent like low budget, you know. It, it like super super low budget movie. It's oh, I gotta check it out. It's decent. It's funny. Do you like Red Letter Media? Stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you'd like the movie. Oh, I'm gonna check it out then. I'm gonna put that on my I'll list. Send yeah, send it over. I'll send you the link to it. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I was like, kind of like, oh, maybe this, you know, because we had so much fun last week with the um, first great train robbery. So I'm like, now we're gonna get like a like a detective, like a, maybe another who done it type thing. And uh, this isn't really a who done it, but like you know, we kind of know who done it. But like, there's these like series of flashbacks, and uh, it's still definitely a who done it by the end. Oh yeah, and very disorienting movie. Very, um, very, very traumatizing. Very, very triggering film. Yeah, just uh, Folks, there's... this is not a fun movie. I um, I apologize for just like. 
when I was just describing the the plot, I just you know just came. I, I was just reading it because it, um, you know, Detective Johnson who kills suspected child molester. You know, it's like there's no getting around it. That folks, if you this is a very it's going to be a tough episode to talk about. If you need to, please refer back to the warning at the beginning of the the show. Um, uh, this is going to be a a, a tough topical uh, uh, maybe not topical in terms of like the time I don't know you know what I'm trying to say mm. it's going to be tough to talk about the subject matter of this film however that didn't stop me from enjoying the film yeah I'll say that it's a uh, it is a good film um, and I'll say like because I was so uncomfortable watching it though uh, my notes are very limiting i a, a lot of my notes are positive things about the film where it's like Same. uh i'll just get into it right now because it's not much it's just like oh, i have some other details we'll talk about in the middle of the episode of course but like um uh just very impressive uh artistic shots i like the uh use yes. of like you know POV shots is that one scene of Connery with his hands, massive Hulk hands, you know, uh, just certain uh, shots were interesting. There's that beginning um, that comes back a lot during this kind of set up flashbacks. And it's at the end of the movie, that sort of spotlight that's like in the burned in the shot. And I'm thinking, yeah. is this a bad copy of the film? What's going on? But no, it's just kind of like setting up the movie. And like, that's my first note. What is happening? Because I, because like I kind of had the warning from Dylan, who had saw the movie before me, and he texted me saying, uh, "Just so you know, this is probably the darkest Connery film we've ever covered." It, uh, it is. I would watch it by myself because he knows I do watch a uh, a good amount of these films with my wife when she's around. She's like, he's like, maybe watch it by yourself. And uh, I, I thanked that, him for and that's that. That's not that's not me being sexist or anything. Um, it's just uh, not like a good movie to it's, like. It's like, hey, it's date it's, night. Let's go yeah, watch a not movie. Not at all. You nope. know, nope. And it's um, this movie is not kind to women at all. Yeah, it's very. No. Uh, this, this is probably though. It's incredibly empathetic to women. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this film is entire. Like, you're on these characters. You're on, especially like his wife's side. Oh yeah. You know, like you're on her side. You get her struggle. One thousand percent. Anyway, we'll, we, yeah, we'll get into that. But yeah, sorry. Continue, continue. Um. So yeah. So I was like, pretty thankful for that idea of like, um. Uh, yeah, kind of watch it on your own. Uh, because yeah, that, that those first, uh, like ten minutes, I'm like, I feel uncomfortable already. I'm like, they, that this movie, I think that's something to kind of credit the movie for. It knows how to make you feel uncomfortable. It, yes, and that's the power of, a, of if a film can make you uncomfortable in a way that makes you think um, and that makes you um, empathize with the characters and sympathize with the characters and, and, and feel what the characters are feeling, then that uncomfortability is applause-worthy. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's, that, it's, a, it's a good kind of uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like the film puts you in a... In, in an uncomfortable state that is good to challenge your mindset of what a film 
is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, especially because the, la- the last film we had was one of the most fun films we've watched, especially because, like, like you say Last Crusade was more fun. Yeah, it is. But I would say it's more fun, Last but it's on, it's on the same level. Yeah, it's on equal footing, but how many times have we seen Last Crusade? Oh, yeah, it does. We, kn- we knew what was coming. How many times have we seen the first grade train robbery? None. It had taken us completely by surprise at how good it was. Yeah, well, like, he's going to go on the roof of the uh, fucking cars, dude? Like, mm-hmm. what? Like, yeah, that was so and, exciting. And it's a comedy, you know? Mm. Like, that was, it, it's definitely one of the more comedic films we've seen. Um, and it, it, you know, you remember, you're like, oh, yeah, this is what movies are for. And then you see this and you go like, oh, yeah, art is supposed to make you really uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, art is supposed to rattle you and shake you and um, uh, make you um, realize uncomfortable truths about things that or inevitabilities about thing you know what i mean like uh or realities that you only had slight awareness of because you you don't walk in those people's shoes mm. you know it, it's it's an interesting what we we just got like the the Harvey Two-Face of <laughs> of movie duo here yeah right especially when you consider so this film, <clears throat> I'll give you a little backstory. When Connery agreed to, I'm just going to read from Wikipedia here. When Connery agreed to return as Bond in Diamonds Are Forever, David V. Picker, CEO of United Artists, pledged to back two of Connery's own film projects, provided they cost $2 million or less. So uh, he, he wanted to make this and... Um, uh, a Macbeth movie, um, but the Macbeth one fell through. Though uh, check the Google Drive because I found uh, um, an old BBC rec- uh, video of Mac- uh, a television broadcast of Macbeth with Connery as Macbeth. Oh, we got to react to that at some point. Then. Yes, we. Uh, I think we should just watch it and do an episode on it. Let's do it. Yeah. Maybe we should add it to the wheel. Yeah. Um, uh, but we need to add it to the list first. Yeah. So we'll we'll come back to that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so this would uh, ultimately the Macbeth one fell through because Roman Polanski, um, the pedophile, made a, a how apt for this film. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh Jesus, uh, he made a Macbeth film in 1971, I think, and beat him beat Connery to the punch. So, or two, uh, 71, I think. Hold on, hold on, Macbeth Polanski. Where's my internet? Okay, there we go. 71. Okay. Whoa, wait a second. Who's casting that? John Finch as Macbeth. I actually don't know any of these uh, actors. Anyway, I'm sorry. What a ramble there. Anyway, so this was the only film that got made from that deal was Mm. The Offense. So this film, this dark, dark, dark film got made because Connery was in Diamonds Are Forever. Wow. The, the the silliest of Connery Bond films is like attached yeah. to this movie. <laughs> yep. Wow. 
Wow, man. Yeah, because I remember like, you. If, I remember you mentioning something about that last week. So, like, watching this film, I'm like, uh, looking at Connery in this movie. I'm like, this is Diamonds Are Forever era Connery, man. Like, yeah. and then like, well, the next year. Yeah, but like, whew. this is probably the scariest Connery. Yeah, probably the um, scariest Connery we've ever like encountered. Yeah, this is as we said before. This is the darkest film we've done. This is the darkest film we have covered. Um, yeah, so the, luckily the plot is pretty yeah. short here, so we just want to go through the plot and it's kind of and maybe just like just talk about the movie, like just, yeah, let's just talk we, about it. I think we'll go. Um, there's like one, two, three, four, do, five, yeah, six. six. So we'll we'll do do two at a time. Yeah, taking it will take. It looks like it's split into acts here. So, oh my god. What? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so there was a real emergency happening, clearly. Because okay. two there was one cop SUV whipping by super fast, and then by the time I saw it at the end of the block there were two of them. But what Nicole was running away from was a bee. <laughs> 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 what a silly setup that's so funny there's like there's like a SWAT team outside and stuff she's running away from a bee <laughs> okay want to hear something crazy on that sure and this kind of ties into this uh, movie in a strange way small but anyway um, so we were sitting, this was a couple of years ago, we were at an intersection just down the road at the end of this street, just sitting there, and on the other side is a little red car, like a little maroonish car, and behind that is a white van. But, like, it doesn't, it doesn't look suspicious. We're sitting at the red light, and all of a sudden, the white van... Both doors on the sides open up, and a full SWAT team with automatic weapons pours out and surrounds the car. The little red car? The little maroon car, yeah. What? And we still have a red light, and we just nope the fuck right out of there. I just take I just take the left, because I was going left, and I'm just like, I don't, well, clearly I'm not going to get hit on the, on the left side, because this guy's surrounded by a SWAT team. Um, and I just, just wow. zoom right out of there. <laughs> um, I think the, man, the, I, I, the only one I can count to that story, since we're talking about crazy stories like that, I have one too, where this is, uh, Elmwood Avenue in Providence, which, mm-hmm. you know, Elmwood mm-hmm. Avenue is always kind of crazy. Mm. And I'm in this, I was, you know, I was actually in a white van, uh, at my old job delivering food and I'm just kind of sitting at a red light pretty heavy traffic at that time of the day and i heard some kind of commotion happening like three cars away in front of me it was kind of like a big truck in front of me so i couldn't really see mm-hmm. but i remember i i heard a commotion and a guy i'm in the left lane the right lane is also filled with traffic there's a guy in front of me gets out of his car and starts sprinting forward and then i see other people sprinting forward it was like Godzilla? It was like, 
Yeah, right. It's what it felt like. I was like, I was like, what's going on, man? And then turns out like some guy was getting chased by the cops a block away on foot, and one of the and the the guy that got out out of his car. Oh, he had a police scanner. Uh, no, he just happened to see the guy running away from the cops and decided to be a nice citizen and help out. And he, I see him like across the street, they're at a McDonald's and the guy like in, in wrestling terms, he speared the guy. He was like running at him. Like the, the, the citizen, the regular guy coming out of his car just ran at the guy running from the cops and just like dove forward and tackled him to the fucking ground. Oh so my god! Fucking hard, and it was like, and I was like, yeah, that was fucking dope, man. But I gotta make my delivery, man. I'm fucking late, so everything was a standstill. <laughs> it was like an audience; everyone was like watching this, like, oh, whoa, holy shit! But yeah, it was like the most shocking thing ever. It's like I saw a movie. I thought it was on a movie set. I was like, this is like insane. I was like, holy shit! I was like, wow. three, I was like three or four cops on foot and like the, the cliche like fat cops that are like you know just like running after him like just got out of dunkin donuts you know what i mean like it looked like a movie it legit looked like a movie wow it was insane but yeah god bless that guy for like kind of helping out could have been dangerous but he was like he was a big guy he looked like a fucking football player so he just like he just tackled the shit out of that guy his shoes came off that's how hard Jesus. he tackled him it was insane uh, insane which yeah it's it's kind of which is kind of uh, related to this too because sean connor beats the fuck out of somebody in this movie too can i can i end with one more chase story yeah well this is like i'd rather talk about this in the movie okay <laughs> me, me <too. laughs> so i may have told you this recently if i have let me know cut me off i heck i may have done it on this podcast so nicole and i were um walking through uh was it Swan Point or Fox Point Cemetery? Oh, yeah. Um, and just walking, enjoying ourselves. And I have my water bottle in my hand, and it's a full, it's like a you know stainless steel, and it's full. Um, and we see turkeys. And we're like, oh, hey, turkeys. Um, and, and they all had guns. <laughs> yes. But we're eating oranges as well, so we chuck them a couple of slices of oranges. And then all of a sudden, a deer comes out. Oh, look at a deer. And it like is looking at the orange, and it looks up at us. And it's foaming at the mouth. What? And it starts getting closer to us. And starts picking up pace a little bit. And uh, we start to fucking, I just, I just say run, just run. And we start running and the deer starts chasing us. What? A rabid deer starts chasing us through the woods and uh, not through the woods, through the uh, cemetery. Like this is on a road. Like, like cars are around and, but no one's really around, like, the only people that were around were this elderly couple that was at a grave, and they were like, they had chairs, so they were there to like hang out with their dead relative or something. I don't know. As you do. <laughs> um, I hope you hang out at my grave. Sure. Are you gonna be buried? You gonna waste land like that? Oh no, I'm probably gonna no. I, I'm probably gonna get scattered somewhere. 
Okay. But like uh, maybe 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 human comp- composting. I'll be a tree or something. Yeah, out, that's, that's a, better. A tree. Yeah, I want to be a better. tree. Yeah. Um, so come hang out with my tree. Anyway, so I'm just screaming, uh, help, help, because we're being fucking chased by a rabid deer and it's gaining on us. And I have this water bottle in my hand, fully ready to beat this thing to death if it comes too close to me. Hmm. Thankfully, it stopped. It like lost interest. Damn. Damn. That's anyway. frightening, dude. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't know I, I don't know what to do if an animal chases me, dude. Like I'm like, like, jeez, that's scary. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it. I'm not sure it was rabid, but there was foam coming out of its mouth, and it was running pretty strange. Anyway, so that's Connery curious. <laughs> Dear curious. Dear curious. I've Dear written to you today Peter. because I'm a fan of Connery. <laughs> Dear Casey, I want to know. Andy I, I Ritz. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Sean Connery. I can't do my Casey Kasem when I have COVID. Hmm. They don't call me Casey COVID or COVID Kasem. Are you okay, Mario? <laughs> I am okay. Wait, what happened if you like got bit by a deer? Would you be like uh, a I'd superhero, die. a deer superhero? No, I would die. Yeah, if I, if die. that was a rabid deer, I would die. That's terrifying. There's only man. been like eight people that have ever survived rabies, and they died later of like weakened immune systems. Oof. I'm pretty sure that's you know incorrect oh. information, but I'm, you could look it up, and I'm probably it's probably not that incorrect. You know, it's pro- probably pretty close. Mm. No, yeah, mo- most most times apparently rabies is is completely fatal, mm. and um, you know you can't you don't want to you can't drink water when when you have rabies, like you can't you your body won't allow you to get water down, and you like you go insane. It's 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 terrifying, man. Look up look up videos of humans with rabies. It's terrifying. Is, it, is this our Halloween episode? I feel you like know what? Like... I think it's gonna be. This is probably gonna be our, <laughs> this Halloween, might be our episode Halloween episode because this is the darkest. This is literally the darkest movie we've covered. Yeah, I, I, I was a little spooked watching this movie, man. I'm so not gonna got, lie to you. We've got uh, SWAT teams with AK-47s. Um, we've got uh, football players tackling, uh, making making citizens arrest, tackling people being chased by the cops and we've got rabid deer got some scary shit man people getting hurt in this episode yeah man oh my god thankfully we didn't get hurt but i was afraid i was gonna have to fucking bash a deer in the face with a water (laughs) bottle and hope that i didn't get it spit in my eye oh my god (laughs) oh anyways Um, (laughs) should we get into the plot of this movie (laughs) After yeah. the adventures we've already had this, this this half hour, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. Let's do it. Okay, the offense. Detective Sergeant Johnson has been a police officer for twenty years and is deeply affected by the murders. Uh, okay, guys. Trigger warning. We're gonna use some some rough terms here. I mean, obviously, they're you know they're, they're terms that are applicable to their situation. You don't try. There's no getting around it. Okay. It's tough shit here. There's tough shit here. That's... Ah. 
Sergeant Johnson is deeply affected by the murders, rapes, and other violent crimes he has investigated. He is plagued by images of violence and appears to be losing his mind under the strain. His anger surfaces while interrogating Kenneth Baxter, who is suspected of raping a young girl. By the end of the interrogation, Johnston has severely beaten Baxter, who is then taken to the hospital where he later dies. Uh, I'll just do, we'll do three and three. Johnston is suspended for beating, for the beating and returns home for the night, getting into a violent argument with his wife Maureen. Two of Johnston's colleagues come to inform him of Baxter's death, and they take him to the police station for questioning. Folks, uh, real quick, I just want to apologize for my delivery of these these lines. I, it's just a little, I'm very stuffed up from from the COVID. So that's fine. You got, you got you got like a nice little. It's like a it's like a deeper bass. Oh, thank you. Which yeah. actually, uh, going into it, uh, Connery has a different kind of voice in this. It's a little deeper. Did you catch that? Yes. Um, it was a little like deeper. It's it's uh, maybe it's like the film itself, but like it's just like deeper, a different delivery. Uh, one of my notes is take a shot every time Connery says the word bloody. Yeah, like do, do very, a shot like, of a bloody Mary. Yeah, it's like oh, they think it's Pancake Bloody Tuesday. I'm like, what the fuck's that mean? <laughs> Well, that means like, your, your pancakes are a little bit bloodier than usual. I guess, yeah. I like raspberry. Uh, I like my I like my pancakes uh, medium, cooked medium, please. Mm, yum, mm, yum, <laughs> raw Call pancakes. Man, pancakes. Felix, shake a bite. Dink, dink, shake a bite. Felix, mancakes. 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 Uh, uh, Connery uh, is seen at exactly, for me, exactly three minutes in a very menacing pose, uh, kind of out of focus, but you can tell it's him. Mm. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't note the time down. I was kind of hypnotized by this. Opening. Yeah, I was hypnotized too, but like I snapped out of it when I saw him. I had to rewind. I was like, yeah, it's exactly three minutes, which I thought was like really, really creepy. I was like, man, three minutes on the dot. Mm. And a yeah, very menacing shot. He's in. Uh, in the questioning room, I guess, which is like it's it's they kind of use for like, but it's like a weird interrogation room because it's like it looks like a event space because there's like tables and chairs in the corner and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's like a VFW hall. Yeah, like I'm like this is where <laughs> they interrogate. Oh, bingo's like, the, on Friday. <laughs> yeah, right. And like they have like the the desks there, like the crappy desk. I'm like I'm like, can you guys get out of this interrogation room? We got we have uh, an event later on. We have a we have a quinceanera later. We, yeah, the the local high school has their driving class, the written portion yeah. of their driving classes in here. And Connery teaches it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, Clash, we're going to learn how to make a three-point turn. <laughs> Which God also, shakes, he said he, come, he comes in at three minutes. If you look at the poster, there's three Conneries on the poster. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, and oh, yeah, the poster, yeah. Yeah, do your po- Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. You didn't do that. Oh, yeah. That poster's very uh, scary as well. Uh, yes, it's super fucking scary. It's, it looks it's like he's like, about to snap Ian Bannon's neck. Yeah, which is like the... Unfortunately, that's what the movie's like based around. So, yeah, uh, The Offense, 1993 drama crime, runtime of an hour, 52 minutes, has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 90... Uh, sorry, 71%. Um, an audience score of 1% more, 72%. Do you agree with that score? Mario, I have not written a Sean or a film rating. Ooh. I still need to think on it. Like I need to we need to discuss this and see. I ha- I, I have an idea 
and I think I some of my notes idea. and some of my notes I think will maybe sway you. Um, it's gonna it's gonna but, probably gonna lean higher than that for me. Yeah, because yeah, because again, like we said, as triggering as the film is. I think that's kind of what makes the film kind of good because it kind of makes you feel something. And a good film should make you feel something. Yes, it makes you feel uncomfortable. Yes, it's like uh, crazy. But I'll tell you, that last 35 to 25 minutes of the final interaction between the both of them was very compelling to me. That it was last very act like was phenomenal. Wow. It's like that's what kind of like I couldn't cuz I was I almost did um half and half where I was going to be like I'll watch half the movie tonight. I watched pretty late last night. I think I was texting you at like midnight or like one o'clock in the morning about it and I was like let me let me get through it. Um but like maybe I'll cut it in half. But then I was like I that last act I'm like no I want to see what happens now. Now I'm like in it. Because the first half, you're kind of like, oh, it's so uncomfortable. There's some shots that are very uncomfortable, and like I don't like it. And it's like, as someone who is an uncle that has a niece, I don't like seeing that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Uh, they get kind of like semi-graphic with like some of the stuff, uh, words and visual. Um, hey, but real yeah, quick. That, yeah. Real quick. What does Axel Rose call his sister's daughter niece niece oh that'll be a sweet child of mine reference oh which could have been that too but no niece is good sorry anyways uh mr brownstone um Um, but yeah, so I think um uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> Casey and the Sunshine Band. Um so, it's always a gold member reference every week. Well I was ed- I was editing last week's podcast and I pulled that clip. So Oh did you? I gotta listen for yeah. <laughs> I'll be my road trip playlist on, on the way to <laughs> the look of it, the taste of it, the smell of it, the texture. Um, <laughs> See, we can bring so, up Goldmember in every episode. Even even the fucked up episodes are like Goldmember could fit in somehow. Uh, what if Goldmember showed up in this interrogation? <laughs> <laughs> I am some holy... Oh my god! Isn't that weird? Stop doing that! Stop beating him up! <laughs> now tell me, Detective Johnson... Do you not think of these same things? Do you not think of gold the How way I think of it? I am. <laughs> oh man! You yeah. Fingers, you see. Oh no, no, I am nothing like you. <laughs> nothing like you. You oh, think of the same things. You're the a real gold. villain. I just want you to take over the world. You're a real villain. One of my favorite throwaway lines from Goldmember is, uh, Dr. Evil, can I paint his Yoo-Hoo gold? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> uh, He's so obsessed with painting things gold. Can I paint his Yoo-Hoo gold? Like, no, you can't. Uh, Anyways. Uh, but yeah, in, in closing so for my for my, for my my statement, I think, yeah, I think this Sorry. is a very, it's a good film. It's just like... It just might be hard for some people to get through. And because, um, like, we have that discussion, which we'll probably have more later on. But, like, you know, would you rewatch this? I'm like, yes. I think I, I, don't th- I, I, think I, I would, would rewatch this. I think now it's better to rewatch because I know it's coming. And yes. I'll be, like, 
better with it, but the first watch is the hardest watch. Mm. Uh, so the first yeah. watch is the hardest watch. Nice Tom Petty. Uh, Tom yeah. Petty and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Tom Petty and the Sunshine Band. Uh, but yeah, so um, so what do you have for notes here? Uh, so so with that, um, the overhead lamp from the interrogation room uh, is a gun barrel of sorts. Yeah, it does kind of act as almost. It's the, the first gun thing barrel. we see. We get that bright light, and then it fades into the circle. Which gradually fades away to reveal. Honestly, and you know, I thought too. Uh, so I can actually make a bond uh, connection too. This would be great to like that last scene when it after he said like, "No, oh no, what have I, what have I done?" And it goes back to the spotlight. It turns white. You fade into the diamonds are forever title sequence. That's going to be a tonal whiplash like no other, man. Right? It's like, what have I done? Like, that could be the cold open. What have I done? And da, 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 da. The, the cat is looking at the screen. But then, but then <laughs> Diamonds Are Forever would have to be an actually good film to make that work. I love Diamonds Are Forever, man. Me too, but it's not a good film. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, not, it's a fun film. It's a fun film, but it's not a good film, you know? Making like, Mud Pies, double. that's the one I quote the most. Whereas this is a good film, but it's not a fun film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this and Diamonds but Are Forever are diametrically put them, put, opposite. Put them together, and it's the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> uh, no, I think I'm going to vomit uh, afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you go through, like, an hour, almost two hours of this, and then it cuts to Diamonds Are Forever. This would be like, what's, this would what's be going like on? you were just in a hostage situation. And you got rescued from the hostage situation, and then they're like, "All right, get him to the get... carousel. Get him to the carousel." And then they Quick. strap you onto the horse and whip you around the carousel for Quick. an hour give, and a half. Give him a cotton candy. Give him a cotton candy. Quick, caramel <laughs> apples. <laughs> Feeding you caramel apples. I just had one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. Can I sit down? Yes, on this carousel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, yeah, that that's how those would pair together. I think the only worst pairing would be Sir Billy. Is the oh follow my up god. to this. Dude, how funny would it be if we hit diamonds next episode? Uh it would be um uh historically fitting because they're paired, you know, by you know, by virtue. But now, but now I kind of wanted like this watch them both together and think, "Wow, this is the same." I mean, kind of you could say the same thing about, you know, we already did it obviously, but like sort of valiant with never say never again like that was happening at the same time mm. you know so which still boggles my mind yeah uh, though never so. say never again is pretty goofy too yeah but it just it is always funny to say i think we had that joke in the in the episode where like he might have a little bit of glitter on his face still while he's shooting the bond scenes like you know <laughs> like I, I like i like the idea of him like like kind of like how like Michael J. Fox was doing uh, was family, family ties, 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 and Back to the Future at the same time. So he was yeah. put, taking the vest off, getting into a car, going to shoot family ties, coming back. So I'm thinking of Connery doing he's the same on thing. His family ties. Yeah, he's he's on the uh, he's in the car, dresses the Green Knight, and he's like stripping, and he comes out with a tuxedo, but he still has a little bit of glitter on his face. <laughs> Michael <laughs> J. Like, Fox as the Green Knight. Oh man, hey Michael J. Fox as um. What's his name? Uh, as James Bond. At the, as, 
No, it's the blonde guy. That the one I wanted. I, I just had this discussion. Oh, it's Gawain on uh, on friggin' nerds. Uh, the friggin' nerds podcast where we talked about uh, that. I dropped that movie, and I said how Mark Hamill was uh, in the running for that, and I was like, that's how crazy Star Wars was that they just wanted anything to make it feel like that movie. So mm. to the point where they're like, let's get Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself, into the we'll film. Get Peter Cushing will get. Uh... We'll use a very Darth Vader-esque design on the Black Knight. Oh, yeah, right. I really want to watch The Green Knight. Yeah, I want to check that out to kind of yeah. compare it. Mm. And now you got your new studio space, uh, commentary tracks are so easy to do now. We're, like, right? in the ro- we'll be in the room recording. It's be crazy. We got to do yeah, that soon. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I also think that uh, for Sir Billy Fest... Um, Sir Billy Fest. Yeah, honestly, I, I love think, that. That's that's the official name is Billy Fest. We're, Sir Billy we're Fest. Doing it. Um, but I think it would be a good double screening of Sword of the Valiant and Sir Billy. Yeah, like the yeah the most outrageous movies. Yeah, and one of our favorites. Yeah, and maybe Zardoz, but Zardoz no Zardoz is too uh, weird. Zardoz is way too weird. I think I don't I don't know if you could put Zardoz on for a, like a, a crowd at a. I don't know. It's kind of like a cult. It's a cult classic, I think. It's got a cult following. Yeah, the penis is evil. So penis is evil, which is 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 a ties back to this film for sure. (laughs) The penis is very evil in this movie. Holy shit! (sighs) All right, let's just get into this. (laughs) All right. So yeah. So give give me your first half of notes because I said I don't have much, but I'm sure you have a, a decent amount there in front of you. So my first note is that no, I only have one. Like. I have ten notes. Ooh, um, okay. Yeah. So the first note is that yeah, the the light, the overhead light is very much like a gun barrel as it's used to fade into the, into um, events of the movie. So what is that supposed to be? There's, there's like a spotlight. Like yeah, it's the overhead lamp. It's just yeah, room. just yeah. So that's what it is. Okay, because I'm like because that's the that is the the observer. You know what I mean? Mm. That light is the observer of the whole situation. That's yeah. that lights the whoa, you, you just skipped in zoom, yeah that was trippy like a fucking ghost, um, the light stable. is the observer, <laughs> um, but yeah I, I I I don't know I saw it as like well we we will focus on the light because it's the only thing that it's like the light of day the light of the truth, and that light in the room is the only thing that it actually knows what has happened in that room. You know, yeah, because Connery isn't gonna admit it, and uh, uh, yeah, like what, dead, what, what, so. what brilliant storytelling of like you know, you, you know, you start off the movie and you think you think you know what happened in that room. Like after you see what happened, you're like, oh wow, he like you know he he beat the shit out of that guy, but. At the end, we find out that's not all he did. He also like shoved a couple of cops to the ground, and like you know, and he's just like doesn't know where he's at at that point. And he's like, "Oh shit, what have I done?" And very, you know, if, if, this is a movie where if you're not paying attention, yeah, you, you kind of lose your your place. And like they go back and forth, they mess around with time a lot to the point where, like again, that last act, we see him going to pour the cup of tea. And walk back into the room. I'm like, oh man, this is we're gonna see what actually happened. Mm. And now the the play 
called This Story of Yours is three acts. The first one is Johnson and his wife. The second one is Johnson and Cartwright, the interrogator that is talking to him. And then the third act is him and Baxter. Wow. So the movie kind of takes those three acts of the play and like pulls bits from each of them and shuffles them to different spots, but for the most part keeps them where they need to be. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, when, yeah. You, when you think of the progression, like, so the thing happens, you, you get, you, you get like the, the setup that there is a creep in the, a villain in the area. That's one of my notes. Villain. I really like how they say villain. Yeah. Um, they just call bad guys villains. Any crooks or robbers, villains. Uh, pedophile, villain. Um, villain. Uh, but, so th- that that first part, the first act of the movie, feels like it, it couldn't have been in the play. You know what I mean? They can't go hunting through the woods. Um <clears throat> Uh, but then after after the offense itself happens, he gets sent home, and then we see <coughs> essentially what those three acts would be. He goes home to his wife, then he gets picked up again by his coworkers, they bring him back for his interrogation, and then we cut back to the final, <coughs> the initial interrogation of him and Baxter. What else do you have? Um, let's see. Pottery three minutes, what is happening... A lot of my notes are like just how uh, how uncomfortable everything seems. Like just that first section of him, like outside the school, and then seeing the kid walk off and everything. I'm like, oh man, this is like already uncomfortable. The the the, the scene is set of like what this movie's going to be like. Um, let's see, what else do I have here? I, I my I, second note is that this is terrifying and moody as fuck. Yeah, just like um, the, because they're they're in old. England, right? They're in England, yes. so yeah. like yeah, it's very very cloudy and very 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 English. Well, very. I also found this website. I'm going to share it with you. Found this webpage, the offense at fifty. Now, oh, uh, let's co- talk about that. Look at look at how big that light is. That's the light that you're focusing on. It's really, it's meant to make you make you sweat make you be uncomfortable but also the grating on the 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 cement squares of the ceiling it feels like doctor knows uh yeah it looks like a specter room yeah it's like the specter event hall with all the chairs and stuff <laughs> this is like where the they have specter their big cafeteria. meetings <laughs> specter cafeteria <laughs> um <clears throat> but this webpage um the bfi.org look it's got Modern. Th- this is what it looks like today. Oh man, how? Uh, yeah, I, I, f- I found that uh, that road, that little rotary there, very stressful. Oh yeah. You know, they have lines now, so that's nice. But like, yeah, it just looked like every time like someone was like pulling away, I'm like, someone's gonna get hit. Like I was, I was waiting for a car to like tap another car. They put a road over, over Oh, there. look how different that looks. The well looks. Holy shite. Yeah, they put a road in. 
It, but but because of how sparse it is, and this is a shopping center now. Whoa. But because of how sparse that landscape is, it it's ominous and creepy, and like like you said, the gray, the overcast, the dull raininess to it is very. That wide shot ominous. of like of the girl walking to the alone, oh, alone but like, uh, and you see our suspect w- approaching her and stuff. It was very. Um, Again, speaking of spooky movies, it was reminiscent of Halloween for me. Just it was kind of very like, reminiscent of Halloween. Just like Michael Myers all the way in the, for, like in the background, just staring. And like sometimes you forget he's there, and then unless you really focus. You could take that shot and just put the music over it. And like, down, 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 down. Like, what is it, Laurie's theme? Yeah. Down, 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 down. So. Oh, man, man, how Sydney Lumet, man, how are you going to go from family business to this brother? Like, <laughs> Well, he went from this to family business. I mean, granted, it wasn't immediately afterwards, but family business was much later. Yeah. So uh, let's see what he did immediately after this. Let's uh, see. I just had it. Um, Serpico. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, another classic. Yeah, then Love and Molly, then it's Orient Express. Yeah, and then Dog Day Afternoon, Network. Um, oh, wow, he directed The Wiz. Look at that. Look at that. I didn't know that. Uh, hmm. Q&A. But yeah, in, in, insane. Insane shots here. So, like, yeah, I'll, I guess we can talk about that cinematography a little bit. Like, yeah, I think it's... I think it's a pretty good, uh, well-shot film. Again, I yes, like how they... Yes, I think it's shot they... very well by Jerry Fisher. Yeah, what's Jerry done? Let's see what he's done, because I wonder if we can recognize his, his influence. Man in the Wilderness, else. I've seen that. Um, that's a Richard Harris film, very good. Um, it's uh, it's kind of like The Revenant. Uh, hmm. Island of Dr. Moreau from 77. Oh, he's he shot Highlander. Okay, so we'll Ooh. see him again in Highlander. Ooh, Exorcist 3. So he's done some oh. good work, too. Okay. I really like Exorcist 3. Have you ever seen it? I haven't seen the third one, no. Very good. Very from good. Ni- from the 90s? Yeah, 1990. So we'll see his work again in Highlander. All righty. Huh. Well, Jerry Fisher, we will see you again, and Sidney Lumet, we will see you again. They will return, but yeah. So, like, there's a lot of shots. Again, I like the kind of POV shots. There was that kind of like funny photo I sent to you, like last week, of like him like getting ready to punch uh, mm. our suspect. But it's like it's they give you the POV of of him punching you and I, I like those pov shots are very interesting mm. and again that hand shot is probably my favorite shot in the movie is him kind of looking at his hands like that but it's like it looks very um it's very trippy you know it's like you put that in a pink floyd video of him it's kind of like it just it, it looks it just looks very trippy. my hands felt just like Two balloons. <laughs> yeah, they look like balloons. They were huge. They're like Desmond now, Llewellyn hands. 
That's my lunch. <laughs> That's my lunch. <laughs> Those balloons are my lunch. I'm a nitrous addict, 007. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, <clears throat> okay, so... This... I have this as a note, but then I come to realize why... Like, I ask this as a question, but then, you know, by the end of the movie, I understand why. Um, why are you... Why, why is Connery grabbing the struggling child instead of talking to her? Hmm. You know? Uh, he does try to talk her down, but yeah, to kind of like... But he's like holding her down with force. Yeah. And I get she's tr- she's very r- rationally trying to escape because she's just been through something traumatic. But I feel like Connery could have maybe gone in with a gentler hand. But then over the course of the story, this is, again, only in, like, the first 20 minutes. So over the course of the story, you realize, like, oh, yeah, he's fucked in the head. Like, mm. he's not a normal person. Like, there's not... I was thinking of it in the way that I would go about it, f- forgetting that... Wait a second, Dylan. You don't even know who this character is or what they've been. Oh wow, they've been through some fucked up stuff. Yeah. Oh my God, just the the flashes of the stuff he's seen. They show oh, like like the terrifying. parrot, and then they show like this the house, the massacre of like certain houses and stuff. And it's like wow, that's where it became like a horror film for me, man. I'm like wow, this is like psychological, man. It's like it was so heavy. And was it um, the old woman or old man who had been stabbed? Like they were still alive at the door by the parrot. Am I right? Am I yeah, there was. That? I remember that. I remember. I just remember like the girl naked, tied down to the bed. I remember Jesus seeing like a Christ. room like with like blood, like Which, a, a different family. There was like multiple people in a room, yeah. and uh, and just that shot of the. Um, the person that like hung themselves that they found like they like hung themselves like that in November was terrifying. and they find them in March. Terrifying. It's like, it's like wow, man! This is like uh, d- definitely deserve the R. Is this our first R-rated Connery? How many uh, R-rated Conneries have we done? Um. Well, I'm gonna have to Google that. Sean Connery R-rated movies. Um. It's like Zardoz rated R. No, I don't know. We're gonna have to go through. We're gonna have to go through that later. Yeah, I feel like that's gonna be a lot of work. Yeah, but eventually we'll, we'll put it together. But like, yeah, it's just oh, The Rock is rated R, so there's other yeah R rated movies. So yeah, there's a bunch of them. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it but like yeah, man, this is like yeah, of the course darkest. The Rock would be rated R. R for solid. rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so is Rising Sun. So, yeah, I'm sure a bunch of them are rated Yeah, 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 there's like, yeah, there's the autoerotic asphyxiation in that movie. Oh, this, yeah. We've, we've definitely had some R-rated movies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah definitely. But this um, is like... Th- I think this The Hunt for like... Red October is R. Um, but, yeah, this is, is, this is definitely... Uh, Quite worthy of its R rating. In fact, uh, I could imagine they probably had to, you know, be careful about getting an X rating. Yeah, I wonder if it's like a, if it's like a Snyder cut of like 
crazier no, shit. I hope not. I, 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 one, I doubt it, and two, I certainly hope not. I feel like Sidney Lumet is a very, very good director, and he probably knew exactly what needed, what yeah. it needed to be, you know. Precisely. Um, and then he picks her up and he like swaddles her like a baby. Which also made me a little uncomfortable. Um, when they're out on the, when all the cops are out on the beat, you know, asking ed- anybody and every, like, like they're shaking down their usual suspects. Um, Connery bothers the guy for his chips, <laughs> and I'm just like, I want French fries now. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> um, French fries. <clears throat> and then the shot of Ian Bannon. Walking down that spiral ramp is masterful. Because mm. it's just a camera just slowly rotating downwards in a corkscrew motion. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah, and some f- phenomenal it, shots, dude. I'm telling yeah. you, it's crazy. And Bannon's performance just in that walking is really good. Like, you have no idea what you're about to encounter. Like, is, is, is he just drunk? Like, you have no... And, and I like, by the end, you have no idea what this person has even done. Have they done anything wrong at all? You know? Yeah, you're, like, you're, you're looking for a twist at some point, yeah, you know? You're, you're waiting for it. It seems like he's just a guy who's been bullied and, like... Maybe he just had a rough day, and this is the one day that like takes it way too far, where he's, he he snaps, you know, like he he's done nothing wrong and he knows it, but he just can't. He's tired of letting people push him around. I don't know. It's it's a lot to read into these characters. Um, before Connery goes into the interrogation room, he unwraps his pack of cigarettes with his mouth and then just spits the plastic onto the floor. Yep. For someone else to clean up, like an asshole. <laughs> Connery would have made it, an I interesting. Bet he just flicks his cigarettes on the ground too. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Let's the he... building catch fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a. Let the fire department come take care of this. <laughs> I'm a police officer, not a fire yeah. firefighter. Time for this. I I would I would wonder what he would have been like as a uh, commissioner Gordon. Because, like, I, I feel like he, he he does a pretty good, like, cop. Like, he kind of, like, very reminiscent of um, uh, David Harbour mm. in uh, Stranger Things, like, with you know look and kind a, of swagger. You know where he'd be a good Commissioner Gordon? If they did a live-action Gotham by Gaslight. Ooh. Man. Right? The possibilities. Holy shit. Yeah, it's like because like, uh, come on AI. Oh yeah, AI AI can do it. That's that's all I want AI to do is make Connery movies that I want to see. Honestly, I've said this before. All all that's standing in our way is like you know the the stupid shit that we bog ourselves down in, like money and religion and war and nonsense. You know, like if we can get all those out of the way and make sure everyone's fed and has health care, you know, and and shelter, then. And money is eliminated, then AI can just fucking make the movies that we can't. Like we can all make all the art we want. 
We could spend all our time making art, and then the art that we're not physically capable of making, AI can make it for us. So we want to see Sean Connery play Commissioner Gordon in a live-action Gotham by Gaslight movie. Okay, AI, can you whip it up for us? It's not going to be great, but it'll give us an idea, you know? And with our with all our short attention spans anyway, we'll only want like a five-minute clip of him saying, well, Batman, I want you to go investigate this Joker fella. And we're just like, ah, that's awesome. And then we move on with our day, you know? Yeah, hell yeah. I'm in for that, dude. You kidding me? Anyway. Um, what, you got How- any other notes? I don't. I don't really have many notes, but I'm actually like I'm like flipping through the movie a little bit to kind of like for like remember some things. Um, what What do you rate? Uh, I feel like we do this a bit with Connery. Uh, how do we feel about the mustache? I like the mustache. I like I f- both mustaches. He and he and Ian Bannon both have really good mustaches. Oh yeah, he's yeah. Bannon has kind of a cool, uh, almost not like kind of handlebarish. Yeah, I think you can call it a handlebar mustache. Mm. Yeah, it's very like he looks like he had a first. He was in the first Great Train Robbery. You know, he has like one of those. Well, mustaches. you know where we've seen him before. The Hill. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So wow, a second time as, as the good guard. You know. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, dude. That yeah, this Staff Sergeant thing. Harris. Mm. So he, Sergeant Harris is now being uh, beaten up by Sergeant Johnson. Right, look at that. Yeah, man, how like tense this scene is, how crazy this scene is. But, like, I I enjoy the mustache. I think it's it's good. Uh, I mean, my favorite is always going to be the uh, man who would be king. Lemmy mustache situation. It's mm, a good one. Um, but yeah, something about this. Yeah, it's just like it's it's cool, but like a little creepy at the same time too. Like mm. something about the mustache is just like, uh, it's like, I don't know something about it. I don't like, I think it's just because the, the, the character it's connected to. Um, it, but, it's very detective. It's a detective mustache, especially you pair it with that hat he's wearing. Yeah. That, Oh, that like, yeah. Costume, costume design, dude, that whole, like I'm, I'm looking at the scene right now of him, uh, walking in with the tea and he has that cool kind of fluffy furry coat. And like the hat, he looks he looks dope. And Bannon definitely has the handlebar mustache, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it's, a handlebar. That's a handlebar for sure. <laughs> that's it's like it's got the perfect. It's not even like it's not even the staple shape. It is literally shaped like handlebars. Like you could <laughs> slap those on a bike and ride them. <laughs> that should have been. <laughs> I think Connery had to press down. Like I'm gonna ride you like a bicycle, like the bicycle you are. Now tell me, did you do it? Like, no village bicycle. Everyone's had a ride. <laughs> yes, I like for... International Man of Mystery better than a spy who shagged me. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, you like the bicycle you are. <laughs> the bicycle you are. <laughs> you look like a Schwinn. <laughs> are you a Schwinn? Are you a Schwinn or a Huffy? Tell me. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Um, oh my god! Are man. you a mongoose? <laughs> you look like a mongoose. BMX. Oh, I bet you have those gears on there too, huh? Oh, I want to go faster, do you? There's a speed limit on this uh, on this bike path of mine. There's a speed limit, and you better watch what? out for the crossings. What's that line from the office where they're trying to like teach Steve Carell how to ride a bike? And he's like, I know how to do this. The ones I had, the one I had, had the wheels on the back. 
Anyway, uh, shall I just keep going through the plot of this? Yeah, because I'm like, I'm fresh out of notes, and like, I'm not sure where else fresh to go. Fresh out of notes. This. I'm fresh out of notes. I'm Prison Mike. <laughs> fresh out of notes. Uh, the dementors okay. are terrible. <laughs> what? That's like the whole thing. It's like the worst thing about about prison is is the gruel and the, 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 the dementors. They're everywhere. Like Like Harry Potter? No, not like Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> do that laugh again? <laughs> I don't know. Alrighty. I like I'm told it. I'm told I have many laughs. Uh the one I get told a lot is I have a Burt Reynolds laugh. I'd have to hear Burt Reynolds laugh. If you if you two I'm gonna punch it in. Yeah, let's look up uh, Burt Reynolds laughing. There's a compilation out there because someone sent it to me once. I'm like, this is how you laugh. You laugh like Burt Reynolds. And I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but now I know what it means because now every time I watch a Burt Reynolds movie, I'm like, I understand. Okay. Well, I need to watch the Smokey and the Bandit films. So. Yeah, he laughs a lot in that movie. Alrighty. Well, let's move on to something with no laughs. Okay. <laughs> Well, we we found a way to bring some kind of laughs to this movie yeah. with the handlebar mustaches. It's a it's a mush it's a mustache battle. Who has a bigger mustache? Mustache ride, they call it. Mustache, mustache ride. Uh, the following. Like, yeah. did, oh, sorry. Oh, oh no. no, go ahead. Go. No, uh, you go ahead. No, no, no. I'm just. No, I'm just. We'll talk about it after. Make a note of happiness. <laughs> no. Okay. Oh, a note of happiness. Sure. Um. I like his sideburns in this movie, too. He has cool sideburns. Yeah. This is his natural hair, by the way? Probably. Um, it, yeah, it does kind of look like it would be his natural hair. Because even at, like, that scene when he's bashing his own head on a desk, and yeah. it kind of like all falls forward, it's like... It's like, yeah. it's like that, that can't be... That must be his real hair, or what, what's left of it at that point. Because then mm. right after we see... The hairpiece, the terrible hairpiece in Diamonds Are Forever. Well, Diamonds Are Forever was a year before this. So it was released in 73, but I can imagine it was shot in 72. So Diamonds yeah, Are but, Forever was the year before. Yeah, but you can you can tell in Diamonds how bad the hairpiece is. So I'm like, this is definitely his, his, part, his legit shit. Yeah. It's a legit uh, piece. Legit shit. I went, after those burritos, I went in and took a legit shit. <laughs> Too legit to shit. Oh, no. I have to have an operation. <laughs> I only shit once a month now. <laughs> every every harvest moon, I take a shit. <laughs> okay. The following day, Johnson, Johnson is interviewed by Detective Superintendent Cartwright. During their long confrontation, flashbacks show the events of the previous night when Johnson beat Baxter. The flashbacks portray Baxter, whose guilt or innocence is left ambiguous, taunting Johnson, insinuating that Johnson secretly wants to commit the sort of sex crimes that he investigates. Johnson at first flies into a rage and strikes Baxter, but he eventually admits that he does indeed harbor obsessive fantasies of murder and rape. He then tearfully begs Baxter to help him. When Baxter recoils from him in disgust, Johnston brutally beats him while Baxter continues to taunt and laugh at him. The film ends with another flashback. 
this time of Johnson attacking the police officers who pulled him off Baxter and muttering, God, my God, as he realizes what he has done. End of wiki. Oof. Yeah, um, Ian Bannon's performance in this was very, um, I feel like Heath Ledger may have uh, drawn influence from that performance. Oh, yeah, right? This is like, uh, yeah, speaking of uh, Batman, like, yeah, there there is definitely... Where are they? (laughs) Where's the trigger? Where's the trigger? Um... Yeah, it's it's very yeah very creepy, man. Like that scene. Every time they get, they bring you back to the shot with with the spotlight of him is bloodied and like smiling. And it's la- like, like laughing. Yeah, it's just like holy shit, man. It's got because like that. I'm gonna keep bringing it to that like final act because of how phenom tremendous it is. Because um, you just you just don't know you like like the Joker. Heath Ledger's Joker, you don't know where he's going to go next. Like, what's the build going to be? And he's telling that story of when he was bullied as a, as a schoolboy mm. and all that. And, like, you kind of think he's kind of being talked down and maybe he's just going to admit to his crime and just kind of, like, go off. But then, no, he just kind of he flips the script again and then he's and he's accusing Connery of stuff, and he's like getting into his head, and then like it it really is reminiscent of that Joker Batman interrogation scene a little bit, mm. where it's like you know he's like he's Batman's punching the shit out of me, he's blocking the Batman's blocking the door with the with the the chair, and then Commissioner Gordon, everyone's trying to get in, they're like no, he's locking the door, and he's like, he's like Batman's about to fuck up the Joker. This feels like that, mm. and so I think that's what makes it like. You know, like I, I was, I was just like, I was wide awake at this point. I should be, I, I, I'm like, it's two a.m. I should be tired right now, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, I had to put on Spider Man Two just to make me help me like calm down, just to get ready for <laughs> Spider Man Two on PS4 to come out, PS5 to come out. Uh, so I was like, I need something to like, because even Lee was like, she was still up, and she's like, I told her how my like, this movie was so fucked up, dude, and he's so, she's like, how are you gonna sleep? I'm like, I'm gonna put Spider Man on or something to fall asleep to because this was so rough, dude. Uh, but Tremendous, tremendous last scene. I think, if anything, rewatching, I at least want to rewatch that final act over and mm. over again because it gets. I feel like that's like a, like a, like something for acting school, man. Like so, that's something you gotta check up because that's everything too. The Connery, we'll get into his ratings later, obviously, but like just the, his performance is unlike anything else. Ban- Ian Bannon. Se- Bannon and Connery. You know, Connery is like he's very, like it's 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 a different kind of Connery to mm. me. And it's just like like that scene of him, you know, as uncomfortable as as it is with his wife. Oh, so uncomfortable. But it's just like, but him kind of like, you see his his like his mind melting when he kind of like comes to realization. Like, like it's just like. I've never seen Connery like this before, and it's so scary and terrifying. I'm like, I'm not even in a room with him, but I feel like I am, and I'm like, it's it's so tense and and terrifying. It's a scary character, but I think that's what makes him so brilliant in this movie. It's like, wow, it's like he he knows how to turn it on, man, how to turn on the crazy, and uh, it's insane because how, how often do we see Connery get this crazy in a role? You know, it's like. Mm. It's something new. It's something different, and uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what you think about your ratings later on in the uh, in the episode here, but mine might be a little high. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and, and I think Bannon's performance, he really steals the show in this movie. Mm. Like As much as, you know, this is Connery making this movie, I feel like Connery was responsible for a lot of this. Like, he was a producer on this film. Yeah. Um, and... Or what was he? All cast and crew. Produ- yep, produced by Seanery. Uh, Seanery. Oh my God. Connery. Sean Connery. Co-executive producer. So he was responsible for a lot of these casting decisions, and I feel like he knew Ian Bannon was just going to knock it out of the park, so he cast him. Mm. Um, oh, did somebody do... Casting by Ann Don. So, but I'm sure Connery had, you know, say in it. Um, huh. Yeah. So I, I mean, either either way, I feel like 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 Ian Bannon, his performance is yeah. As I said, Heath Ledger probably drew influence from the Joker, uh, for the Joker, for from Ian Bannon's performance because. Yeah, like like as you said, it's it's him working his way into Connery's brain, whereas like the whole time it's Connery going, "I am in control of the situation," and every single every single scene is is him going, "I am in control," but we are seeing like this dude has no control over. It. You okay? Yeah, it's fine. Need the truck outside. Hmm. I've got my window open now as well, so I'm hearing stuff from the inside. We have like a but, plumbing place next door, so we're just your fucking forklifts and shit all day. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. I'm. I th- this movie is is kind of it's it's hard to stay on a straight track with this movie. It's, it's yeah. very dark. Yeah. Very, Again, very not like bashing the movie. I, I not think, at all. I think me and Dylan agree, can agree. We uh, we 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 like that. We we. I think this is like a, a very good film, but like, yeah, again, uncomfy, very uncomfy, very uncomfy. Yeah, this and it's it's an incredible psychological drama. Yeah, like and it's um, it's this film is a real good example of why men need to go to therapy. Mm. You know. Um, and I, you know, I like how, uh, so Trevor Howard as Cartwright, that scene, I I mean, there, there was, there wasn't a bad scene in this whole movie. Um, but the scene with, with, while Connery is being interrogated by Cartwright, um, Cartwright you know, turns around and says, what, what do you think makes you so special? Like, we all see this. Like, we've all experienced it. There's a, think- there's a lot of that in this movie where, like, even... Because he, he does that to his wife. It's like... Yeah. You kind of like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, because you, you've been through so much, blah, blah, blah. But then it gets flipped on him. It's like, oh, yeah, you've been through so much. You've been, like, dealing with all this bullshit, right? You're the only one that deals with these, these yeah. things. We have a whole crew of people, like, you know, and, like, yeah, again, like you said, it it is a kind of, like... 
uh, awakening to be like, you know, yeah, get some, if you need, if you're having trouble like this, get some help, man. Don't be ashamed to yeah. get, to, to ask for help and like, you know, call a provider, look for a therapist, whatever you need to kind of get help and don't like take it out on other people. Um, as much as possible, don't do that. Because look at yeah. what it does to people. Because like, like, you know, you know I'm not rather get than too... venting, he explodes. Yeah, because I've you know, because like I I I've had a past of exploding myself, not like in that way. I'm not I'm not hurting other people, but exploding on a uh, on on a, in a, in a room by myself. You know, it's just like and sometimes or you're in front f- of a loved one. Yeah, so it's like you don't you you don't want to do that and make it escalate more. So you kind of have to like try embarrass to embarrass yourself. Yeah, like get, get some give coping yourself, mechanisms. Give yourself an image that you can't take back now. Yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah, you don't want to like kind of like because that impressions, first impressions, lasting impressions always matter. So it's like, you know, don't like find a coping mechanism to kind of like get a little more stable and like yeah, so like Connery obviously needed that because you know I th- I'm, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of police officers. Uh, go through this today you know th- thank goodness uh thank you for the all the uh men and women out there these days uh protecting our uh, our homes here and our our neighborhoods and everything you know but i'm sure they go through the mental health um services you need yeah and if you don't try to find it man because like it's it, it's it's a tough world out there i can only imagine like uh, I, I don't go through half of what some of those people go through the things that they see every day. We just talked about uh, before we started about how, like, you know, all these all these things we've seen of, like, you know, people coming out of cars and tackling people. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, it's worse stuff, I'm sure, that they see uh, every day. So uh, There's so, yeah. rabid deers out there. Rabid deers. Chasing people through cemeteries. And then when those people exit the cemetery, they're walking along the street, and then they see this little, like, wood and stone hut that is like made for people to you know go in and hang out in you know what i'm talking about oh yeah yeah uh, yeah it's in a park and then we we go inside and somebody just left a giant dildo in there (laughs) you never know what's going on in this world you You never never know know. you never know so this is a psa from connery curious to you uh watch out for dildos and rabid deer That's my band. <laughs> That's my band, Dildos and Rabbit Deer. Watch out for Dildos and Rabbit Deer. We're coming to your town next month. <laughs> Catch us at the Clam Shack. The Clam Shack. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing all your favorite Skinnered covers. <laughs> all your favorite country hits. Sweet oh. Home Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama. Hello, Sweet Bama Home. We'll even put it in a Molly Hatchet too. Sweet bomb. Homo uh. sweet bomb. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, what's well, so what else do you have about this uh, about this film? Should we like start trickling into our ratings? Like, what, what do you think? Yeah. Oh well, let me wrap up that little mental health bit. Was um, that Cartwright says to him? You know, uh, you, you think you're the only one that goes through this, but he basically says you have to learn to compartmentalize. You know. You got to find a way to to leave it or to cuz like you, you look at all the other cops you know they they keep talking about uh or one of them keeps talking about his promotion that he's got coming like go home you got an early shift you're no good to us if you're tired and the morning's like yeah but you know stick around do good work cuz promotion around you know what i mean like yeah and you can see that they have separated work and the stuff that 
they have to deal with. And you wonder, like, okay, maybe is, is that guy's home life as bad? Like, is he uh, a future Sergeant Johnson, you know, like, waiting to, to happen? You know, like... So it's... Yeah, uh, everyone in the chain there has found a way to compartmentalize and find a healthy way to deal with the things that they've seen, except Johnson. And his poor wife, played by Vivian Merchant, so good. What a heartbreaking scene. Yeah, right. Uh, um, oh, oh, I do have a, a note on that. I love the liquor cabinet, but I don't understand it. Yeah, with the light on inside of it and shit. What? Yeah, and it's like a weird fish tank bookcase like yeah it's very like it's i not a fish I, tank but i had like a note about like i i, I kind of like the apartment it was like very like cozy and um i like all the kind of like 70s like object and stuff like that so like like the tv and like yeah that weird little bar that's open but yeah i was kind of like i wanted to add in like the <laughs> like, like, like an angelic From Pulp noise. Fiction. Yeah, just like the light. I'm like, yeah, I was like, I've never seen one with a light. Like, I've seen some with lights inside, but like, it's just constantly on all the time. You're like, man, they didn't care about their electric bill back then, I guess. Mm-hmm. They're like, just keep it on all the time in case. Or maybe, maybe it's one of those things like it's got a, like, a little pressure latch, like your fridge. Maybe, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, we need to keep the light on because you know, we know Johnson's going to come in and drink at 2 o'clock in the morning. So it's like, he drinks a lot, man. Every five minutes is pouring. pouring. Yeah. It's kinda, it, it was kind of funny. How many funny. drinks do you have in that scene? Four? I think more than that. I, I, I thought it was funny. I made a note, mental note, of because he's constantly, while he's talking, he's like, he's like acting. He's like, you know, obviously pouring a drink and talking. At one point, there's liquor already in the cup. And he goes back to the bar, and he opens up the bottle and goes to pour more in it. But there's already a drink inside, so I wonder if he's, like, running his lines. He doesn't realize, oh, I didn't drink the, the fake drink. Yeah, that's a theater moment for sure. So, like, if you go back and watch it, he's, like, the fifth or sixth drink. He's, like, there's already a drink inside. He's, like, just tops it off a little bit. But he can tell he kind of, like, he stops real quick, and he chugs it, and he keeps doing it, running his lines, which was really funny. A little funny little observation. But like, I wonder yeah, if they just, gave him real alcohol. He probably could <laughs> handle it. We talk, we talk about tolerance. Connery probably had a crazy tolerance for like. I bet. You know, he's you know Scottish. Probably drank a lot drink of. Drink you under the table. Oh yeah, I would have to have a drink off with Connery. Maybe in heaven or something. Who knows? We'll have a we'll have a, we'll have a drink together, Mister Connery. But uh, um, as long as he doesn't get violent like that. Yeah, as long grab, as he doesn't like grab your hand and crush. So he's crushing two hands in this movie. Oh, right? three. He crushes three hands in this movie. That's his superpower. He's like the thing. He has like really strong hands. <laughs> and oh my god, I feel so bad for Cartwright, especially because he's holding the cigarette and then like Connery's like, "Let me reverse the hand. You, let me." Re-. He's he's got his hands folded like that and the cigarette on top, and then Connery grabs the guy's hands and reverses them so the cigarette's on the bottom and then like crushes his hand onto the burn, burning cigarette. It's like Jesus Christ. He doesn't and Connery all three times he doesn't realize that he's doing it. Like mm. it's this is a good film to advocate for police mental health because 
Yeah. I don't know. Not, not to... You know, there's so many... There's a war going on in, on the other side of the world. There's, you know, there's police brutality and there's these issues, you know, every single day everywhere. And there's nothing I can do about it. But... You know, there. I mean, there obviously are people can say. You know, there's there's sides you can take. There's things you can do. There's actions you can take to help who we feel the right people are in each situation. It's like, yeah, but every single situation is different, and every every single person is different. And like, you know, people say defund the police, but like by that same token, like, do you know the things that some of the police have seen? Like, like my my old boss used to be a cop, and like the things he would he told me about that he's seen that have just scarred him for the rest of his life. And he's like, but those are out there. You know, those are things that need to be taken care of, sadly. Mm. So, you know, it's it's a... This is not me taking a stance on any of these things. This is me admitting, like, I don't know. I don't know, but we need to make mental health resources available to these people that, you know, are in situations where... That I... I'm not in, so I can't understand it, but I can uh, certainly imagine and, um, you know, imagine that, it, you know, for, for every every time the cops beat somebody to death that didn't deserve it and there's, a, you know, a, a riot at the Capitol or something, you know, mm. I, I my brain, you know, I you know, I get it. I understand what those people are doing it for, but then I also think, like, Okay, but there also there's got to be people out there that are actually doing good work, you know? Like if I was in danger and a police person has had helped me out, I'm going to be grateful, you know? And and like okay, I could have died, but this person like I don't know. I have no idea. And obviously I'm a white person saying this. But, um but I don't know. This movie just gives you a lot to think about in that way, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like, they clearly rely on Johnson's um, intuition. They keep saying how much they they keep implying that his intuition is strong, um, and and usually correct. You know, he's good at at, at catching these fucking creeps. Um, but then, so so it implies that he was really good at his job at one point, you know, and did good for his community. But now because he's unable to talk about the things he's experiencing, he's now done something terrible, you know? Like, he could have continued being an asset and a good human being, but because he had no healthy outlet to talk about the fucked up things that he's seen, you know? Mm. Like, I don't know, how how many of these... uh, you know, like how many of the the cops today is just like it's racism that's left unchecked because they've never had anyone that they can talk to. You know, they've always like the only people that they have to talk to. They feel like they have to like make, you know, mean spirited jokes around, you know, and drink alcohol and and maintain a certain like persona. Mm. Where and then, but they can't talk about like they saw they saw a kid die of a fentanyl overdose or something. And they can't talk about how it absolutely broke them inside and reminded them of, like, their little brother or something. You know what I mean? Because that makes you less of a man to do. So. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm just making up situations. But, but all of these could be real, you know? 
and because he has nobody to talk to. I mean, he does. He has his wife to talk to, but and she keeps insisting that he talk to her. And when she vomits, after he recounts all of those stories, she vomits. And he's like, see, you're not listening. And it's like, no, she is. You just, you only, you, you could have, like, if you treated conversation like a flowing hose, you know, like you could have kept talking to her throughout your whole marriage, you know, but instead you let it all build up and explode at once. So of course she's going to react in like a, a horrifying way by fucking vomiting, you know, mm. like if you maybe come, came home with one of these stories at a time <laughs> might be a little more manageable and, yeah, and, right. and but, but it's, this is a film about toxic masculinity. That's what this this story is about. Hmm. Yeah, so. I think it truly is. Yeah. Shit, man. Um, and my final note is that uh, this, I feel like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul drew a lot from this film. Interesting. We just talked last week about last, uh, Better Call Saul took yeah. from uh, Great Train Robbery. Which is funny because both of those series, and and there's a train robbery in Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but And both of those series draw on both of these elements, like the most fucked up aspects of human personality mixed with some of the funniest dark humor you've ever seen. Yeah. You know? Like, like when Walt and Jesse, like, tie up a security guard in in his he's in a porta potty and they tie up the porta potty and are like awkwardly carrying a barrel out and the whole time you're staring at the screen like roll it and then <laughs> like, you know later on Hank is watching the security video and he's like it's a barrel roll it ah <laughs> 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 oh, so good yeah. man I so got it's like it's that dark comedy oh yeah. You got a what? I'm sorry. I, I want to like go back. I I, I got to finish Better Call Saul, but I want to go back to Breaking Bad just to watch it again. It's like one of those things. Well, I, I feel like. I would say I would say finish Better Call Saul first. Yeah, and then, and then go into Breaking Bad because if you've already finished Breaking Bad, because then it's like a continuation it, there. Yes, but also it gives you such a new perspective on Breaking Bad. Mm. It's not. It's not so much as like. A part one, part two thing. It's more of like, oh, I understand both stories more deeply now. You know? Yeah. When you realize, like, when you finish Better Call Saul, when you realize what Jimmy McGill has been through as a person, and then you see his interactions with Walt and Jesse in, in Breaking Bad, you, like, it's in the back of your head. You're like, oh, this happened in this guy's past. So a line of dialogue now has a completely new, you know, circumstance. Yeah. So, anyway. Good stuff, man. Good, Good stuff. stuff. Sorry, those are my favorite, those are my two favorite TV shows. Heck yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I'm out of notes. What do you got? You got anything else? Um, I am f- fresh out of notes. So I um, think, is, is, is it that time already? Uh, let's do a little bit of trivia here. The movie took a month to film. Okay. Uh, but uh, only cost a million dollars, but it took 
Oh, a 900,000, excuse me. But it took nine years to make a profit. Really? Yeah, because it, it just wasn't released in many countries, uh, including France, which is a major, major market, apparently. Um, Connery said he liked making this film way more than Diamonds Are Forever. Aww. <laughs> um, the third of five Sidney Lumet and Connery films. Um, Howard Gorney... Also from the hill, who does he play in the offense? What's his name? Howard Gorney. He plays Lam- uh, Lambert. In, and he plays Walters in the hill. There's no pictures of him, of course. No. Uh, but anyway, so he's got two other actors from the hill with him. Um. Yeah, that's a, nothing. Nothing major story-wise in this. Any good goofs? No goofs. Um. Okay. Well, the one goof. Um, during the enhanced interrogation of Baxter, his tie goes from neatly done and knotted to way down on his chest. Uh. Now, I have something interesting here. Just based off this one quote. Okay. So. During the enhanced interrogation of Baxter. Okay. When I was a kid, I lived on Baxter Street. Now, I, I, went, to Street. An, I went to an arts high school. I only found out about this, this arts high school because my brother got a role in a play in the theater next to the arts high school. This play was called Enhanced interrogation techniques. Ooh. And he played a child whose parents were being tortured in another room. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> what a role. And, uh, yeah, it was like an agent came in and, and spoke with him. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was a good, it was a good play. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, I think that wraps it up for me. Uh, uh, how about you? I think it wraps up for me, too. I have some closing thoughts in our scores, of course. So I think we should we should get into that. Let's do it. Uh, do the SH rating? Yeah, I'll do the SH. Of course, uh, I'll do my little intro here. Uh, yeah, as you guys know, we're done with our conversation of the Connery film. We like to get into our final scores. And we score if the SHs the sexy rating, the film itself, and the man himself. And we also put the uh, score of the score as well. Uh, so I guess we can start going through this. We'll start with the S-H-ing. Dylan, what is your score for if Connery's S-H'd at all in this movie? I give it a two. It's not very strong. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's nothing prominent. I, I, I skipped back through the film after finishing it to double check and... Nothing rang super shh to me, you know? Yeah, it's, I, I think I'll agree with you. I'll give like a, I'll probably stick with a two as well, because like I said before, it's a very different Connery tone in some cases. It's like a little deeper. It's a little uh, different delivery in some lines. So, yeah, I think I'll stick with a two as well. Okay. For an average of two on the SH rating. Yes. Now we move over to our sexy rating. Ugh. Mario, what are you giving this film on the sexy rating? Zero. 
Same. Zero. I'm right there with you, brother. This is there a, is nothing this sexy is a about zero this. out of ten. I think Nothing even, sexy at all. even the cars aren't sexy in this movie. Just ugly shaped cars. <laughs> you and know, no matter how physically attractive Connery is, nothing is redeeming about his character to make him sexy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if he was a good human, then he'd be sexy. But he's not sexy. When you find out that he has urges for pedophilia, yeah. Oh boy! This, this, got, this, did you easy. did you see this coming, Mario? I kind of did and didn't want to because, uh, like that scene of him first finding the girl, I was I kind of got like a weird feeling of like what's going on there? Like something something is odd there. And then, like, there's that scene of, like, I don't want to get the details with it, but, like, when they go back to the girl, and then they cut to his face, and his yeah. face looks fucking creepy, dude. Like, the, the yeah. man who, like, we find sexy in about, like, 90% of his films, he, he looks, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know this guy. He's envisioning having his way with a child. Yeah, it's like, I don't, ugh, it, it was so... So, so weird. So, like, I, I had that, like, because I wonder if it was, like, I was like, this is going to be, like, a whole, like, roll switch. Like, I thought, like, in my head canon, I was like, oh, man, maybe uh, Baxter, Baxter's character is the cop and Connery is the offender. You know what I mean? Like, like some kind of, like, crazy I'm glad switch it wasn't like that. that. But I'm glad it wasn't that, like you know, like yeah. the Joker, how his girlfriend wasn't real or something. You know? Yeah, so they, yeah, they like swap it out. But like, I was like, because like, yeah, like, you're like, where where is this gonna go? And I had that feeling of like, oh yeah, he's like, is a Connery the offender here? And you know, kind of is in a way. But uh, but yeah, well, it was so he's wild. he's being violent to people around him. But so far as we know, he has not committed any acts yet. Um, and, I mean, he's, yeah, he's murdered a man by beating him to death, but he has not committed the things that he's, like, he's having fantasies of murder and rape, but he has not done these things. He's Yeah, but he's beat... He's beat Baxter to death now. Did, so did, you, he, did, he is you, a murderer. did you find that necessary in the story? For him to beat him to death? No, for him to like have these thoughts. Because it's like necessary. No, but it makes sense as a character. Like, yeah. If you if you've been chasing down these horrible fucking pedophiles and murderers your whole life, you're probably gonna start thinking the way they do. Like, isn't that like? Have you seen um, Red Dragon? No. Or or Manhunter. Um, the, 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 based off the book Red Dragon um, same thing uh, Will Graham or the show Hannibal excuse me Will Graham is a you know he tracks down these awful awful people but he has to think like them and it fucks his brain up yeah you know um, so you know you spend enough time thinking like these horrible people think you might start yeah so it's you know I think it was necessary f to to make this story as compelling as it was. Now the the question 
Okay, so so like he he is clearly conscious enough to ask for help. Like he's begging. He's begging Baxter, like, please help me. Like he doesn't want to be like this. And he recognizes that it's wrong. But the real question is Baxter guilty? Was Baxter he says he was just at the pictures. Was was he at the movies? Did he get a little drunk? Did he get beat up on his way home? Did he get mugged? Did he was he drunk and he fell? There's so many it's so random what his situation is, you know? Like we have yeah. no idea what it, that guy could have had something unfortunate happen to him earlier that night and now his night's just getting worse because of it, you know? Yeah, could we never really confirm who that is in the field? So is nope. a chance that was Connery. No, okay. So you I think? was thinking that. I was thinking that because of the way that his brain kept flashing to the kid. I don't think it is. I don't think it was Connery. Because mm. he was out with his partner. They were out getting drinks, remember? That's true. Like and it, the guy, but, but, and it, but is that the, a is that a weird cops. but is that a weird like time jump? Who knows? Because it it, no. it it would make sense because he sees her walking off alone. You know, that was a thought that went through my head. I'm like, is that like is that the twist? Because we never go back yeah, and but he gets see out, who it is. He gets into that car with those two other guys. Right? That's true. So yeah. Yeah. They cuz they're trying to catch that guy. Yeah. But I think so it, I, I think have a it feeling is, it's I think it is kind of like confirming it was Baxter cuz Baxter was I like, don't think it was Baxter. But he even says like, you know, you think the same way I do and you know, whatever. So I think that's him kind of admitting, yeah, I did it, but you think the same thing, you know? I think that's the payoff there is like how we find out that it's him. It's like, yeah, it's like sure I did it. I'm crazy. But, uh, you know, I think you think the same way. And that's the whole psychological thing at the end. Hmm. Does anyone think... Okay, here's here's a moviechat.org. Gesundheit. Does anyone Thank think you. that Sean Connery was the child molester? Huh. So it it seems like it's a no on that. A lot of people are saying no. But arguing for Baxter as the perp. Huh. He links to a thread that's no longer there. Uh, this is from 14 years ago. Hmm. If Johnson had been the perpetrator, the girl would have told someone the moment he wasn't around anymore. Um, huh. Yeah, it... You've got, you've, yeah, you got me thinking, but it, I, don't, I don't think Connery... I don't, I don't it, think Johnson it, it, was. It would have been a, a, a heavy twist. Yeah. I think it's it's a twist enough to find out that he wants to do these things. Like, they're in his head. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's a worse twist, I think. Like, I, I suppose. I mean, I mean a, a, worse, a worse twist would have been to find out that he would have been a pedophile. But I'm saying, like, I think, I think it was more effective to just 
it would uh, yeah, I think it would have been too much of a twist to be like, yeah, well, he was the pedophile all along. No, yeah. that, that wouldn't have worked for me. I think it works better when you don't know. You just know that this dude has some fucked up thoughts in his head that he wants, he desperately, desperately wants to get out of his head. And not knowing whether Baxter is guilty or not, he could have just been an innocent dude on his way home, you know? Yeah. And he got into an axe. He fell, bumped his head. You don't know. Yeah, I I just personally feel I think the payoff would have been enough that it just ends up being that like yes, all the continued uh, trauma of you know being a police officer that sees all this is like enough to be like okay, I'm gonna crack and I beat this guy so badly that he dies in the hospital and like that's like a payoff right there. But I just felt like the extra like little inkling of like oh yeah he not that he did the act but he's thinking about the act just feels a little unnecessary to me it's like an uh, it's like an extra detail that we probably didn't need to end the story i i, I understand that it, it does like add to the uh conclusion of this film but mm. i i just feel like it's kind of like it's like if you watch the oh what's an example of I can't even think of like a good example, but like just it just it's just an extra detail that I feel like we 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 don't we don't need. It's like ending. Well, like if a, I may, go oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go it's ahead. it's like ending James Bond. It's like ending No Time to Die with okay, Daniel Craig dies at the end. Spoilers for No Time to Die, but at the end we still have to like reveal that. Oh, by the way, he like he thought about killing uh uh anybody he thought, else he, he thought about coming back to the island with the nanobots or whatever and killing madeline and his daughter just to have them to himself He's yeah like, well, like he i want to th- hug them and i'll kill them just to hug them again like yeah he'll have the thought but it's like who cares about who cares well, about the thought it's like a what the, if thing who cares here's the difference you know? i i think it i think it matters here the the difference being is that this guy, so he's been a cop for twenty years, and he's tired. He's 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 tired of of these awful people. So mm. the the IMDb description goes bare minimum: a burnt out police a burnt out British police detective finally snaps whilst interrogating a suspected child molester. Now, finally snaps makes it sound like he's been at it too long, and he's just had it. And this guy represents all pedophiles and he's just you know what if i beat this guy to death then i win against all pedophiles kind of mentality that's not what it's about because if that if it was just i'm gonna beat this guy up because he's a pedophile then it would be too simple of a like that it wouldn't make any he would have done it to everybody you know what i mean Mm. the reason he's beating this guy up is because he's at the very break. This dude is... Johnson has been at it for too long, and he is breaking anyway. So it's timing. This this moment of this guy's mental breakdown is happening at almost the exact same time that this um, very good manipulator in Baxter gets arrested at the wrong time. 
And as we, as I said, we don't know what he did. He could have done nothing. He could have been at the movies and he tripped on his way out, you know. And he's just he's been stumbling around because he whacked his head and he just just he's out of it, mm. you know. We have no idea. He could have blood on his clothes because, fucking, cut himself earlier. We don't know. Like he could have walked by a slaughterhouse. We have no idea. Um, could be mud. You know, like we again, we have no idea what. The, situ- the situation is with this guy but because this dude is a very good manipulator and he's like we established that this dude was bullied a lot as a kid so as a result he learned how to use his mind he's really smart at pulling at, at like getting what he wants from people because of that and that mindset is Connery can see instantly this guy whether this guy is a pedophile or not, this guy can see into me instantly and knows what I am. He knows what I am. I can cover it from other people, but this guy knows that I have these thoughts in me and I'm everything I'm saying is giving away that I hate my life and that I'm having these thoughts. Yeah. And and when when Baxter ultimately says like no go f- go help yourself like i he's he shows him a level of accept baxter shows johnson a level of acceptance for a little bit but the ultimate rejection and disgust that's what pushes connery over the edge and he goes you 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 see my problem you won't help me with it and you're probably going to go tell all my you know, fellow policemen, you know, what the situation is with me. And I'm, you know, and everything just comes to a head. Yeah. And he, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, sorry. That's long-winded. So, yeah, I, I don't, yeah. It was necessary for the story. I'd be interested to watch this as a play. Also, quick note, on the revival of the play, so it, it debuted in December of 1968, but in the revival in February of 1987, do you know who played Johnson? Who? David Suchet, who is also famous for playing Hercule Poirot. Whoa! Oh, yeah. Connections. Indeed. All right, let's go back to our ratings. Yeah, yeah let's try to rating this movie, right? <laughs> yeah. So zero uh, on the sexy rating, obviously. Zero uh, on the sexy. All right, what's next? A musical score. Uh, nothing memorable for me. Uh, so if I give it like a five, five, okay, I'm gonna give it a seven. I liked it. Okay. The uh, as I said, a very Breaking Bad. Um, the score reminded me a lot of the Breaking Bad score, where it's just kind of like frequencies that hum, you know. But yeah. then like light percussion. Um, some piano work. It's, it was really good. I liked it. Um, I didn't listen to it through my surround sound, so uh, I will say some of those frequencies really don't sound good coming out of a TV speaker. Mm. But um, there was some interesting stuff to it. Uh, I also had a note on the score. Uh, the score was done by Harrison Britwhistle. Uh, 
an English composer of contemporary classical music best known for his operas, often based on mythological subjects, including, from 1991, Gawain. Whoa. Gawain is an opera with music by Harrison Britt Whistle to a libretto by David Harsent. The story is based on the Middle English romance Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. Whoa. <laughs> Connections, man. Wow, the second you said Gawain, I got excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Figured you'd dig that. Oh, hell yeah. That's exciting. Uh, and it was his only musical. It was his only, only movie score. Really? Yeah. Wow. This was his only film score. Interesting. So, I liked it. Alrighty. Film rating, Sean rating. What are we doing? Film first, as always. Alright, what are you giving this, bud? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think this is a very good movie. Uh, again, it's just like, it's an uncomfortable movie uh, at times, but I feel like, yeah, I think, I think this is a movie you can go back to and um, appreciate it for what it is. Um, I think I'm gonna, I think I might hit it with a 8.5. Mario, you've read my fucking mind. Whoa. I'm also giving it an 8.5. We we have been on the same wavelength lately. Except for the music, we've been on the same wavelength. Uh, uh. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was really good. It made me very uncomfortable in a lot of spots, but you know, art should do that sometimes. Um, art should make you think of new things. That's you know, it's what it's there for. It's not. Ulti- I mean, it's there to comfort, but it's really there to challenge. You know. Well, I so so being a content creator, uh, I watch a lot of like um, videos on like how to make an effective video on YouTube and all that. And you're getting better too. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, just. Uh, one thing I uh, took out of that is someone said, like a film, uh, not always, but like for the most part, you know, a film is really good when it makes you feel something different than when you first went into it. Like if you watch a video, that's a five minute long video and it makes you feel something different than how you felt before clicking on it, then that should be a, that's a successful video i think i think i think that's why this movie is is successful is because yeah you go into it thinking it's one thing but then it makes you feel it's a little uncomfortable obviously it's even like a scary movie man it's like you you come out of that movie scared that movie did its job uh this movie did its job by making you feel something different i think that's why it's going to be uh a memorable film it's like that's the other thing too these films become memorable with with these different feelings, you know, mm. uh, I think that's why stuff like, you know, <laughs> sort of Valiant's very memorable because of how crazy and goofy it is. Um, uh, we have like, uh, Zardoz is very memorable, obviously for what it does. Mer- Orient Express memorable for its thrilling conclusion. Um, mm. that's what makes a good film is like something that like, will can change your your mood change your outlook on something and i think that's why it deserves a solid 8.5 across the board i think it, this, this movie succeeded i i agree um sorry I'm just cleaning my glasses there also just noticed he did murder on the orient express right after this so for for two years 
he, he worked with Sidney Lumet. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and the Anderson tapes. So for th- basically three years, he worked with Sidney Lumet. Wow. He was a Lumet guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's a, it's a good challenge of a film that makes you really feel. You feel uncomfortable. You feel his mindset. You really get into the mind of Connery's character. Yeah. Uh, which, which leads us into our next rating. What do we got? The Connery rating, man. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, um, I do think Connery's brilliant in this. I think he's a very... It's a very different Connery. Scary. I feel scared of this character. I feel uh, uncomfortable around this character. You, you don't know what's going to happen. Even from the start, I felt uncomfortable. Just the the way he, the way he carried himself. That first scene at the three minute mark when we see him in that room, you kind of see like different cops around him, so you kind of see him through the crowd. And mm. that just was unsettling to me. The the moment I saw this character, I felt unsettled. And I think that's what makes uh, this performance so good because we don't usually feel unsettled with him. This is James Bond. This is, you know, Henry Jones Sr. This is like the guy we've known for like, you know, 39 episodes. This is episode 39? Well, I've, I'd say there's a handful of them where we feel uncomfortable. I'd say The Avengers, sure. Action of the Tiger. Sure, but like. There's been some where he makes us feel quite uncomfortable. Yeah, sure, but like. Zardoz. But, but, but versus. All the other performances, you know, it's like, holy shit, this is the same guy? That's the thing. Mm. It's the same dude? There's no way. This is the same dude that, like, had a weather machine in Avengers? This is the same mm. dude that's uh, going to be, like, in the Zardoz with the penis is bad? This is James Bond? This, this is, is uh, Darby O'Gill. Yeah, like, singing, yeah, right? Singing a song. This is the same dude, man. Same so, guy. Uh, so I think that's uh, phenomenal. I think that's what makes an actor really good is when, like, I think that's why Giant range. Depp. Yeah, that's why Giant Depp is so uh, beloved because of his range and countless others. Uh, so I think with that, I think this is a great performance. Uh, it's not perfect, but I will give him a nine. Nine. Okay. I'm going to go 9.5. Ooh. Yeah. I think I'm giving him that rating because, one, he is... This is the film that he wanted to make. Yeah. So he is in it. Like, I mean, obviously he's in it. But you know what I mean? Like, his every day he's on set, he is on set. Like, I guarantee if we watch Diamonds Are Forever next, we will see how much he does not give a fuck. Yeah, he, this movie, he, wa- he wants to be there. He wants, he wants to, to make the there. movie. Yeah. He is making it, you know? He is passionate about getting this vision onto screen and telling this story and portraying a super flawed character as opposed to James Bond, who has no flaws and is not even a character, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's, what's James Bond's character? He just, uh, he says, I mean, like, you know, he's got a character. He's indestructible. Like, he's he's a superhero. Uh, By by this point, yes. You know, by this point, that's what Diamonds Are Forever is. You know? Yeah. It's a comedy Batman movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the 60s Batman. So, whereas from Russia with Love, I'm sure, you know, he was passionate in that. We, We could see how wide-eyed and eager to be there he was absolutely you know? so but but now they're different movies entirely like 
We were watching You Only Live Twice. He fucking hated being there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like He's miserable through the whole thing, and you can tell. So, All right, but in All this, right. yeah, 9.5 from me. So let's go through our ratings one more time. I'll do the averages. Our average SH rating is 2. We both gave him a 2. Our sexy rating is, we both gave it a 0. Our musical score, you gave it a 5, I gave it a 7, which brings it to a 6. Our film rating, you gave it an 8.5, I gave it an 8.5. And our Sean rating, you gave him a 9, I gave him a 9.5 for an average of 9 and 1 quarter. 9.25. All right. So, that's pretty good. And uh, real quick, Mario, I think after we finish this episode up and uh, we do our wheel of curiosities am i still recording here what is going on where's my where's my damn mouse there it is okay i'm still recording i don't know why i keep being paranoid that i'm not recording okay but yeah after we finish this episode here we're gonna move back to our connery curious score sheet and we're gonna fill in all the scores that we're missing yeah we we kind of started the sh and sexy rating a little later on Uh, and only the score rating just recently yeah was was mama jules the one that kind of launched the sexy rating i forget who launched it so i think the rock episode was our first like sexy rating perhaps I think it might have been. We'll find out when we uh, get yeah, to the next episode. Yeah, we're going to go back but... in. So, yeah, guys, we got some fun uh, bonus episodes coming your way. Uh, like in uh, in Podcast Kayfabe, I'm going to be away for a couple of weeks, so you're going to get some fun content while I'm gone. It's going to be like, it's like I never left. It's going to be great. Exactly. Um, so with that being said, I think it's time. I believe this week, Dylan, it is your turn to spin the it's your turn baby to spin that beautiful wheel of curiosities over at wheelofnames.com where we go and find out what film we are going to be covering next dylan is checking the the situation right now making sure we have no uh films that we have covered already in there taking them off and then we're gonna do a hard shuffle of what we might be getting next um we usually talk about what we want. I'll 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 start up the conversation. Uh, things I don't want. Obviously, a documentary. But if we get it out of the way, that'd be lovely. Um, Should we put um, real quick? I just let's. Uh, oh, that uh, thing you mentioned earlier, Macbeth. So um, it is only. Oh no! Well, not only. It's eighty minutes long. Yeah, that's that's um, that's an episode right there, baby. Yeah, do we want to put it on there? Yeah, this is our first uh, late edition we've had in a long time. Alrighty. Well, I will throw it onto the uh, chart afterwards. All right. But yeah, I'll throw Macbeth on there. Now, this was a um, TV performance, a BBC TV uh, broadcast, but I think it's worth talking about. Still, that's very exciting to it's see. It's Connery as Macbeth. That's insane. That's 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 going to be a real fun performance to see. So yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to that one. Uh, but yeah, right. so I think yeah, I think I think my big one I want to see is you know maybe a Bond because we have some potential fun uh, guests for uh, Diamonds Are Forever, and uh, I would like to see Darby O'Gill because I'm really curious to see uh, Bond uh, Bond uh, Connery in a Disney film. Mm. So uh, I want to s- no, go ahead. That's all. Uh, yeah, that's what was my two. I want to see Marnie. 
Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I want to see Marnie. I want Hunt for Red October. Haven't uh, gotten a real young Connery in a long time. Yeah, that's why I kind of want Marnie. And and I want Hitchcock. I want to watch a Hitchcock film. Mm. You know? But we'll see what we get. We'll see what, we'll see what we, we get. get. So, Shall I shuffle? Shuffle it about. There it is. When? Alrighty. Are we ready? I think we are ready. So, Dylan, I believe it is time for you to spin the wheel of curiosity. Wrong is, is right. right. Wrong is right. All righty. What's what year is that? Wrong is right. It's from 1982. Oh, 80s, 80s. No, not five days, one summer. Wrong is right. Look at that poster. Released Whoa. in the UK as the man with the deadly lens. Mario, I've got something to share with you real quick. Oh man. Yeah, we had um, somebody reach out to us. Let me, uh, let me find it here. On our Instagram, we had somebody reach out to us. It was the Sean Connery fan account. Whoa! And he says, Andy writes, Hi, guys. I'm working my way through your podcasts and thoroughly enjoying them. I'm just on the Sean Connery box sets episode. Good episode. My contribution, just for fun, is the Sean Connery Man Box set. <laughs> Man Box This set. would include the following movies with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen as a bonus disc. One, The Man Who Would Be King. Two, The Next Man. Three, The Man with the Deadly Lens, or Wrong is Right. Four, A Good Man in Africa. Five, Medicine Man. And then, as you said, the bonus disc, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's Keep up the good work and stay curious. Cheers, Dave. Well, thank you, Dave, for writing in. That's fabulous. And we love your account because you have some of the best uh, videos like and pictures that we see. We, we often uh, share, share about. It's always so much fun. Uh, but, yeah, that's a good box. The man box set. <laughs> like, mm. I like the man box set. So, uh, Dink, man box. Dink, man box. Uh, but yeah, man, that's that's brilliant. I'm mean, uh, the already the po- obviously I don't like to go too deep into the film, but like the the poster just looks fun. Of uh, the tagline is a very funny look at the world. In a moment, World War Three. But first, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> Ooh, this looks like going to be a. Is this going to be a fun movie? That kind of looks like it. A satirical political comedy thriller film. Oh, my Lord. Let's go. I think we needed wow. some of this, man. All right. So I'm, I'm excited to come back to this, man. I think it's going to be a good time. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. Hmm. All How right. How is it reviewed? Doesn't say anything about the reviews for it. All righty. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll find out in our Rotten Tomato score next uh, when we come to that episode. We shall certainly find out. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, all right. Well, guys, uh, thank you for joining us for the offense this week. Uh, Sean Connery will return in Wrong is Right. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, we cannot wait for this. Some some funny gags. We need some funny gags after this week's episode for sure. Let's um, hope so. Let's hope it's. Let's hope um, when it says satirical comedy thriller, like it actually delivers on. I, I better not, laugh. I better yeah. actually laugh during this. But otherwise, we're just depressed about nuclear war. Exactly. But anyways, so, yeah, we can't wait for that. But until then, guys, uh, we'll see you on the next one. I've been Mario Lima. And I've been Dylan Titus. And as always, folks, stay curious. You've been listening to Connery Curious, a Titus Compositions and Friggeners Media podcast. Follow us on social media for updates, memes, and clips. Find us on Twitter at CuriousPod007 and on Instagram at Connery Curious. You can also visit Titus Compositions at Titus Compositions to hear other podcasts and original music, watch music videos, or even pick up a great vinyl record. For more discussion and content about your favorite films, comics, games, and a network for all things nerdy, visit Friggin' Nerds Media on Twitter, at Friggin' Nerds. You can rate, review, and share the podcast in-app, which helps us grow the show and reach the other curious conneries out there. Thanks for spending time with us, and have a great day. But also, remember, stay curious. Was your father a big man?